Games in this podcast range from E to M. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the official Xbox podcast. My name is Tina, and I'm here with my favorite hosts of all time, Jeff and Malik. How are you guys doing? That's high praise. I know. <laughs> of all time. That is like a, that's like forever. That is like forever all and time? into perpetuity in the future as well. So well, you're our favorite hosts. <laughs> you're our favorite hosts of all time. Good. I would I would hope for nothing less. <laughs> there you go. Um, we've got a fun week and a fun show uh, going on right now because the great year that is 2023 just keeps on giving with those incredible video game releases. And we've been playing two of those video game releases um, that are brand new. Uh, I've been playing Alan Wake 2, but both of you guys have been playing Jusant, and I haven't had a chance to play that beyond like a Gamescom demo. So I would love to hear what this like meditative action adventure climbing puzzle game is all about, aside from what I just said, of course. <laughs> yeah, well, so Jusant is by one of my favorite. I remember a few weeks ago I said Jusant, and I got, I just like, yeah. I was like, oh my God, you idiot. It's French. I know, it's French. Uh, no, so Jusant is actually developed by um, Don't Nod, who are amazing developers who made some of my favorite games of all time Life is Strange, One and Two. Those those games taught me how to feel in mm -hmm. video games. Like they, they, stories are amazing. But what I love about developers that we're seeing a lot of is risk taking. You know, mm -hmm. there's this idea they could have been, continued making Life is Strange, but they decided to go a little bit different. And so just, a lot bit different. A, a <laughs> lot different for real. This is a platforming game, very serene, very amazing art style. Um, almost like I don't know if you want to call it. It's not water paint. What would you call this uh, art style? Jeff? Sometimes you hear this referred to as a painterly style. Oh, um, I think okay. it's it's like deliberately not detailed, but very stylized. Yeah. So like it kind of glowy. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. It looks nice. It's That's pretty. right. And so it's nothing like Life is Strange. It's basically a platformer where you're simply just climbing. At least I've only. Full disclosure, I'm only an hour in, and so Jeff's going to take you a little <laughs> bit deeper into the game, but um, it's a platformer where you're literally climbing up the side of this mountain, all these different structures, and you use your left and right trigger to kind of grab onto things. And at first, it's a little disorienting. For me, at least it was, because uh, it's like, well, Again, I'm not climbing. Mm -hmm. But then it's like, oh, this does make sense. Like you release with left trigger, uh, grapple, you know, grab with right trigger and you keep going. And then they slowly introduce you to different elements in the game. And so um, as of where I am, there's not much dialogue. You know, the character makes little grunts as one would when they're climbing up a, a, a mountain. Um, but it's just really cool, really serene. And, and you just kind of can take in the sounds of nature. But Jeff, I know you've been playing yeah, yeah. a lot further. I, I, so this game jumped out of nowhere yeah. and is one of my favorites. It's in game pass so you don't have to trust me you can just download it and try it for yourself it's also a game that you can beat and i'm told five to six hours oh, um, a little more than halfway through through that point so uh Jusant, it, it tells you it's very nice at the beginning like what does this even mean it, mm. it it's like a, a tide that has flowed out and you're basically you start off you're on the bottom of an ocean that dried out and and early on where you're in i think in like chapter yeah. one you're like is this earth like in the future <laughs> like what is this that becomes more um become more aware of like, okay, this is not, I don't think this is Earth. It's definitely a lot different, but essentially um, society had lived or a big chunk of it in like this giant tower, but it's like natural that went all the way down to the bottom of the ocean and people just like, like would live a very vertical life. And as the ocean dried out, then people were like, had to be like, okay, well, we, we need to figure it out. And it seemed like, and you, you sort of uncover the story through notes and other things like that, that like everyone's gone and you're going up, you're going upstream. And I think just, it's really about exploration. Like what's up there? Now, the thing that I think is really cool from a mechanical perspective about this game is like, I just got done playing Assassin's Creed. I've played all the, 
more recent Tomb Raiders and Uncharted, and I love those games. And those games all feature God of War, like a lot of climbing. But you're never, like, it's not like, you don't really have to think about the climbing. Like, the character itself is like, oh my yeah, god, we'll oh, but you're like, if you put the controller down, they're just going to hang there. You know, mm -hmm. like, it's not a big deal. Um, and it's it's not complicated. This, it's all about the climbing, and you have to think about the climbing, and that is the game. And at the beginning, like you said, you were disoriented, but right trigger grabs your right hand, left trigger grabs your left hand, okay, easy to wrap your mind around. And the left stick, just whatever your free hand is, you look for a handhold. And so it's all about saying, okay, what is going to be the way up here, and how do I you know, figure the best path up there. There is a, um, like a, a meter bar. that goes, stamina <laughs> bar. It's pretty um, permissive, I would say. Yeah. Um, you can, at any point, if you get to a good spot, you can hold Rest, down the left yeah. stick and you can you sort of like shake mm -hmm. your hand out and, and you get some of that back. So it's not quite as like tense as Zelda or Genshin Impact or one of those games where you're constantly falling off. I have yet to fall, I've come close. Um, where the gameplay really opens up is you have three or four of these pitons. Pitons. Yeah, I've been watching Lupin on, on Netflix, so like, do Perfect not mess timing. with my, my French pronunciation. Uh, you can, at any point, sort of jam this thing into the rock, and that um, allows you to like extend out from where you're at, and then you can rappel down, mm -hmm. and you can get momentum, you can go back and forth, and it, it evolves into this point where I'm swinging across canyons and like grabbing onto a part of a ladder, and then there's the, these pebbles, which are like these movable bugs that you can grab onto. Like it really opens up, and okay. it, you feel like really accomplished, and there's this relief when you, you finally get to another ledge, and you can climb up, and you can take a breath. Anyway, I did not expect this game to grab me. Um, I, as we were talking about earlier, um, I'd gotten Alan Wake and, and Jusson at the same time. I know I'm going to love Alan Wake. That seems like a bigger game. I want to hear from you, by the way, Tina. Um, I, I Jusson, five to six hour game. I'm like, let me just play this first. And I'm so glad I did. So I implore you, give it a try. It's on Game Pass. And I would say make it to chapter two, because that's when you start to realize what this game is and some of the other elements of the game, I'm trying to say without spoiling, that that really make this more than, it's just not just a plain old climbing simulator. 100%. I'm still in chapter one, and I, w I was starting to wonder, like, okay, so what, you know, what is going to change in this game? And so I, I have to get a little bit further in, but but to your point, I think what we're, we're really loving in this period are the different uh, games that are coming out. And when I was playing it last night, We'll talk about it a little bit. I don't have my console right now, so I was playing on cloud gaming, which, by the way, if you haven't played in a while, there's, like, no, like, input latency lag. It's just really impressive what that team has been able to mm -hmm. do, and so I had a great experience. Um, but it was just really cool because it was just really calming, and it, it was, like, I don't know. I just felt, I don't know, like, at peace playing yeah. the game, and then, like, half an hour flew by. And it was for you, so cool. that, that, that's saying something. <laughs> I know. So maybe you should be yeah, playing this game more often. Yeah, how was the Apple Watch doing at that point, the hard track? <laughs> exactly. So I, I need to play more games like this than, yeah. rather than multiplayer games yeah. because it definitely put me at ease. It's just a beautiful game. And, and to Jeff's point, like, it, it is just... I don't know. It's just awesome. I love it. And Speak the mechanics seem like super rhythmic too. It's obviously not yeah. a rhythm game, but you're falling into a pattern with the climbing, including with taking breaks too, to kind of gain up that momentum as well. That's the one thing that this game that, you, that, that I might regret later is it making me think, oh, climbing's easy. Mm. You oh, know, I can do this. <laughs> yeah. I, can do, I cannot do this. I rock climbed once and I was, I always, before this point, I was like, how hard could it be to rock climb? Come on. You just, 
hold this thing. Three and points go to the of next contact, one. use your legs yeah. to lift. How hard oh, could that be? And then I, I did it one time and I was like about to die. I was like, this <laughs> is the hardest thing in the world. Yeah. And so, But then um, if you let go, you also die. Yeah, that's so, like, yeah. It's, it's a tough part. It's a tough decision. Not the rock climbing gym, you don't. Speaking, uh, <laughs> that's true. Speaking, if you have a good belay. Uh, so if, um, speaking of like heart rate monitors, like, mm -hmm. Alan Wake 2 had to have oh. your watch oh. pinging. Yeah, and I, I didn't have the watch on, but if I did, I'm sure it would have. Um, and I've had a, a house guest, which is great timing because I get to have a companion that helps me kind of get through. Um, and I didn't quite realize how much I emote when I play horror games. So it's a lot of the like screaming at the TV, like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, that's not what I told you to do, move, get out of there. Um, and so we're just laughing at my uh, freak out moments, which has been like a nice extra layer. But it's it's well-deserved freak out because Remedy um, are quite talented as a studio at putting together not just horror games, because it's, you know, arguably easy to do jump scares, same in movies, like there's a lot of cheap shots in a lot of ways. And, and there are those kind of moments, mm -hmm. but they're balanced with a lot of just like interesting storytelling and it's very meta in a sense because if you're not familiar with Alan Wake the whole conceit is you are a very you play as a very successful writer um you're kind of in this you know this is Alan Wake 1 you're kind of in this like writer's block mode you go to Bright Falls Washington which feels very appropriate for yes. us like playing mm -hmm. a game set in Washington while living in Washington um with a lot of the spooky mist and fog that's been happening around us lately and he's trying to get over um, well, theoretically, he's trying to get over his writer's block, and then there's this dark presence that starts to create a bit of chaos and shadowy enemies in the town of Bright Falls. Um, and you start to realize that Alan's writing can actually impact the story. And all of this is to do with the dark presence mm -hmm. under Cauldron Lake and um, how that's changing the town and how Alan is kind of coming to terms with that and learning some of those mysteries. So Alan Wake 2 picks up at the end of Alan Wake 1, which I won't spoil, even though it's a 13-year-old game. Um, <laughs> nice. And if you haven't played it and you're going into Alan Wake 2, you certainly don't need to have played it, I, I would argue. But there's so much that unfolds in one that makes yeah. your appreciation of seeing returned characters and what happened to certain narrative threads, I'll say, um, into it. it. just makes it that much more worthwhile. So I would, First I would game is a great game. That. I played it really late. I had bought it back in like 2013 or 14 and sat on it for literally like close to a decade. I, mm -hmm. I think I played it like during the pandemic and I was like, oh, we have backward compatibility. And mm -hmm. I literally had the disc and popped it in. And even though like visually it looked very much like a 360 game, very quickly the atmosphere, like it transcends that, the audio design and just the light and the dark. I got so into it. And even, even though that's not technically a horror game, Alan Wake 1, mm -hmm. It scared the heck out of me at multiple times. <laughs> I call it a horror game. Yeah, horror, yeah. horror is a vast genre. Well, mm. that's what worries me. And that, what I want to hear from you is they're like, no, now we're really doing survival horror. I was right. like, I was already scared. So. Yeah. I mean, the setting is scary. The storytelling, a lot of the enemies are scary. Um, you do play with light and dark in terms of how you actually do need to use your flashlight to weaken enemies and then shoot them afterwards. So it's, it's an interesting mechanic, um, which they've carried over into the second game. Uh, and there's some... Some slight adjustments in terms of like very uh, kind of baseline like skill trees, not quite like a skill tree, but there are skill elements mm -hmm. involved. So there's a variety of, um, you know, weapons and flares that you can use at your disposal in various combinations. As the game goes on, you kind of unlock more of these things, as you would imagine. Uh, but it's the scares are both in jumpy moments and you've seen it in the trailers. You've seen like the kind of 
the negative effect, like the yes. faces kind of morphing into scary things, like those will come at you all of a sudden. So it'll be just a peaceful walk in nature, you know, just taking a hike as you're investigating. You're playing, you also play as FBI agent um, Saga Anderson. So she's just, she's just on a peaceful walk after investigating a murder of a dude getting his heart cut out, like just a Wednesday, oh, yeah. really, just like it's a very normal day. And then suddenly this flash happens and you start to wonder, like, what is the significance of the flash when you, um, you switch between Saga and Alan and he experiences those flashes. He goes into the dark place and experiences a total different kind of level design as well. So there's, there's a lot at play. His sections, I would say, are a lot creepier in that sense because mm-hmm. you're literally in the dark place and there are a lot of creepy things that are happening, unexpected things that are happening. Um, even as Saga, you'll get into certain boss fights that kind of loop on itself. So it's it's the terror of the the just uh, surprises that they throw your way, the jump scares, the setting overall, the concept of what's happening. Like Saga herself, I, I won't spoil it, of course, but Saga herself gets very invested in the story as things go on. As you can imagine, it's not a very straightforward case for the FBI. Um, and there's a lot of like interconnections between some of Remedy's other worlds, like Control. Mm. So I, I've said this before. I love horror, and Alan Wake is several different kinds of horror. It's that survival horror mm-hmm. mechanism. So you are scavenging for um, batteries for your flashlight to continuously use them for ammunition for health packs, as you can imagine. Um, but there's also psychological kind of thriller horror. There's the supernatural element. So there's a lot at play here, and I think it kind of bounces around in terms of the story and the gameplay mechanics bounces around in such a way that it keeps you on your toes but man i love the pacing for it too you have enough of that story element in between enough of that comment uh combat rather and then those looping boss battles that kind of throw you for a loop and can surprise you um as you're it's not a straightforward like there's your enemy you're hiding behind this thing like reloading whatever you are doing a bit of that but you're navigating like suddenly you've hit the end of a path and you don't know where the enemies are, and you're like, wait, I've been here. I saw that same cabin. And you just have to go through and start to to touch things around you, and like, what's what's gonna gain you access to the next chapter? Essentially, it's, it's so it's so impressive. And I, and, you know, to your point, like the team, Sam Lake and the team at Remedy, like I'm su- such a huge fan of their games, like Control, Quantum Break, yeah. one of my favorite games of all time. I love Quantum Break, and it's just so really cool seeing them craft a story. And it's good to see on on online Sam Lake getting all of his flowers because he is like one of the greatest minds in video games, like legitimately and so but i don't know how much you've played the game but i've been hearing and of course we're not going to spoil but i've been hearing that this game has like one of the most cinematic 15 minutes inside of a game i don't know if you've reached mm. that yet is i think i might know, you know what they're talking what about you're talking about i'm so ready to play the game yeah there's definitely I'll, I'll say this the way that when i experienced it which was last night it truly was i experienced it so there's it's an experiential level um, if I if I think I know what you're talking okay. about, so I won't say more than that because you really hmm. I've seen some people I was I was spoiled on it just a little bit oh, before no. getting to it online. Like people have been excitedly talking about it, so you know as usual, be careful out there um, on the PSA front. Uh, but it's it's still surprising when you go through the entirety of it. Um, what's what's happening? What I can say about it is that what's happening to both Alan and Saga is contending with that dark presence and as these pages this manuscript is being written which has been a thing since the first game um you're making the dark presence more powerful the 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 dark presence is preying on feeding on the townspeople um both in terms of how it's becoming more um omnipotent and also how it's kind of just literally taking over the townspeople and they become its soldiers Mm -hmm. essentially and they they're all 
after you, obviously, you know, you as Saga are trying to unravel this mystery. Alan was trying to do the same thing in Alan Wake 1. Um, the Dark Presence kind of won, arguably, because poor man was trapped there for 13 <laughs> years. And he's he's now struggling to kind of come out of that, connecting with Saga in a way you sense that there might be something special about all the cast of characters that are involved in the story. But that's also what I love about the storytelling. It's just that you're learning so much about the mystery as you go, but you're still having to piece it together. So, yeah, can you talk about that part? Because I know there's sort of that Charlie Day like strings yeah. like on there, <laughs> the investigation, you, the mind place, the mind yeah. place. Yeah, yeah. So the mind place is a new mechanic for Alan Wake too, and I. Initially, I was thinking, like, I don't know if I, like, need this as a pacing element, but mm. it's really much more than a pacing element. Like, early on, they're just teaching you the structure of, okay, you have these, like, main cards, like, main part of your investigation, and then you have these threads that are like, okay, so there's a cult. Okay, so who's involved? What's their goal? Like, you know, what was the purpose of that? ritualistic sacrifice what are the de- and then that branches off what are the details of those ritualistic sacrifices so ultimately you know early on they're giving you very small elements to work with because you're just kind of learning the mechanic mm-hmm. for the first time understanding it so it was, it was a slow grow for me but at the end of it I'm in love with the mind place and it feels like a good way to kind of decompress take stock of what's going on but also keep track of the story because as much as I'm keeping track of the story, when you think about it from an FBI investigator's point of view, you're really analyzing it on a different front and able to start to understand the mystery as it's unraveling. So it's just a really nice mechanic to help you understand the multifaceted threads that Sam Lake and the team have written into this story. And it feels like, you know, Alan Wake won was a good opportunity to get introduced to this kind of world, this concept of rewriting reality. Um, and, and how that's impacting this small, like, idyllic, theoretically, town. Um, and Alan Wake 2 is really about having a little bit more mastery over it, despite still feeling like you're at such a disadvantage because this dark presence is still a mystery mm-hmm. somehow, despite how much you've learned about it and how much Alan's learned about it over time. So you mentioned in the mind place decompressing, but I've heard <laughs> <laughs> that if you go into the mind place and you're not alone... You're not, that's not a pause menu. Mm, like, it's not a pause menu. Yeah. That's for sure. There, so it's interesting because it's not just the board. Your map is there. You can upgrade your skills mm-hmm. or your weapons there. So Saga has like a skill tree, so to speak, um, loose term there, uh, where you just upgrade your, your weapons um, as you gain these little puzzle pieces. Uh, and then Alan Wakes is a little bit more to do with co- comprehensively, like him as a person, as well as his mm-hmm. skills and his, his weapon abilities. So it's a place to do that. It's a place to look at your investigation. But when you're looking at the investigation, once Saga has kind of completed a thread, she steps back and she speaks to herself. And occasionally she has these like visions mm-hmm. of other characters in the story that are also helping fill out elements. So, you know, early on, she's talking to witnesses of the <clears throat> the murder at the start of the, the game and she can tell that they're lying because they're basically telling her in her own mind place. They're telling her the details that they're unwilling to say out loud. And so she comes back out of the mind place and she's like, so you're lying and I would like to know the rest of those details. I'm like, how did you know? So there's like a mystery within that too. How did she know? Yeah. What is this mind place? And she almost takes it for granted. She's like, oh yeah, it's just this thing that I do. Like it's the most normal thing for her. So it's mystery on mystery, horror genre on horror genre, such an advancement in a lot of ways 
um, audio design, like the art style, the lighting from Alan Wake One, because obviously we're it's been 13 years for Alan and it's been 13 years for us as well in wow. waiting for the sequel. Um, so it's just it's an incredible achievement for Remedy, and they're getting very uh, well due High praise, praise right now. High praise, and honestly, like they they deserve it. Like the game. A lot of people called Alan Wake, uh, for better or for worse, they called it a cult classic because, mm. you know, it came out at a time when, you know, there were a lot of multiplayer games out there and it was like trying to tell the story. Uh, but I love that it came back uh, better, harder, you know, with a better story. With faster, new, stronger. Faster, yeah. stronger. Yeah, there you yeah, go. Yeah. That's all the, ones, <laughs> the phrase. All the words, yeah. um, but, and now to this game that, to your point, Tina, has been getting a lot of critical um, acclaim. And so I'm, I'm so happy for the team. And I can't wait to play it. I have not been able to play it. And I've been looking it's forward really to this good. game all year. So I'm, I'm excited. The big pro tip I'm taking from you is make sure someone's in the room with you. Mm. Like, it I, certainly yeah. helps. Backseating is welcome. I will say, though, there's a lot of quiet moments as well. Mm. Um, you know, there, there's a rhythm to each of the new areas that you discover um, and I've really fallen into that rhythm including with the mind play so I have a system now like I go in I do some exploration both Saga and Alan have these like um, experiential uh, puzzle, puzzle solving like environmental puzzle mm -hmm. solving essentially um, and it, that also helps with the pace and it, it uh, for Saga she'll find um, like there'll be like lock boxes from the cult so you can get kind of additional loot um, which it, for a survival horror game is important and then there's also these nursery rhymes that you have to solve. So there are these slower paced moments where there's still combat because occasionally you solve one of those nursery rhymes and then suddenly like these wolves are on you. Oh, no. So you have to you have to really go in between the pace of the game and I think it works out really well. So there are moments where you know you have a little bit more confidence. You can run down rather than creep down and look at every corner before mm. you totally round it. Um, so I've been appreciating that it hasn't kept my heart rate up like the entirety. Um, there are a lot of cut scenes. There are moments to kind of appreciate the story. Uh, I'm about 10 hours in, I think. Okay. Um, I've heard the game is roughly around 20, depending on how much time you want to spend exploring and finding all of these nursery rhymes that unlock little like uh, charm buffs, essentially, that you can put on a bracelet for Saga. There's a lot of those moments. Um, and then for Alan, his environmental puzzles are totally different. So he's spending a lot of time when you're controlling him. He's spending a lot of time um, in the dark place where there are slightly different shadowy enemies and he's he's got his own personal mysteries to unravel because, again, the guy has been trapped in the dark yeah. place for 13 years and he's starting to understand what's been happening in the world outside of his trapped world. Um, he's and, missed out on so many things. He doesn't have TikTok in there. Yeah, he doesn't even know. about TikTok? <laughs> is that a cloth? What is yeah, that he's like, about? I could have spread the warning about <laughs> yeah, the dark presence yeah. much sooner if yeah. I had TikTok. <laughs> yeah, he's just been a classic writer. Uh, but his his environmental um, puzzles are much more about light. They're much more integrated to kind of the, the real spirit of the mm. first game. And you can switch reality uh, by going in, like grabbing light from a lamppost, let's say, and then taking that to another lamppost, switching there the light there. There's some of that there. in control, I think. Mm -hmm. Now that there's, I'm thinking about it, or you're doing the lights at the right. Yeah. Okay, yeah. all right. So this, there's a lot of supernatural stuff that happens in control, um, and there are some characters and elements and connected paranormal things going mm -hmm. on. Um, and I love that. I love that Remedy thinks thoughtfully about their storytelling beyond yeah. even just that individual game. Like, there's so much belief in that story and that world and the characters that they're you know willing to kind of take on a, a multifaceted project in that way um and then the other thing i'll say too about how they 
bring that like warped reality storytelling into play with Alan Wake 2 that I think they do most successfully. Um, they play around with live action, which they've done previously before. <laughs> Going back, yeah, yeah. Break. yeah, 30 minute breaks. Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. But so, like, the approach is so different for Alan Wake mm-hmm. 2, and I'm loving it. You know, I think it, it can be hit or miss for some people because it's a style thing. You know, sure. you don't necessarily vibe with every artistic um, style, so maybe live action in video games is not your thing. But, man, it's really well done mm-hmm. in Alan Wake 2, and it really fits with that warped reality context. So there's, like, a meaning and a tool to it, a storytelling mm-hmm. tool to using this kind of this different um, kind of approach, this visual approach, and it's interwoven. It's not like breaks in that sense. It's really interwoven into the the story and some of the cinematics. So I've just, from front to end, all the details, I've really been enjoying it. You sold it. me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah maybe, maybe you can come over and while yeah. I'm playing, because that, that yeah, doesn't lights be each on, other's, like, no security headphones sort of yes. for me. All right, so we've got maybe the most like sophisticated horror game ever made. We've got Probably the most sophisticated climbing game ever made. Yeah. <laughs> uh, lot to play this week. Also, a little thing called Call of Duty. Um, What's this that is game? something, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Modern Warfare 3. Th- this is something they've done now for a couple of years that I think is really smart. Because um, there's always the, there's the campaign and there's multiplayer. When those came out on the same day, I feel like at least streamers, like everyone's going straight to the multiplayer. But mm-hmm. they released there's early access for the campaign, and you have a week to play that before the servers kick in. And everyone's playing multiplayer and zombies and all the myriad modes that they've got. I always love these campaigns. This one's a direct sequel to Call of Duty: Modern Warfare 2, Captain Price, and all those uh, familiar faces. Yeah. So uh, I need to make time for these because there is no better FPS like campaign like uh, big budget blockbuster like the the closest thing to like you know mission impossible movie mm-hmm. level sort of experience you know in, in games and it's been this way for a long time is yeah. are these campaigns and not to i mean not to belabor the point but I always would jump straight into the multiplayer until the last uh, Modern Warfare 2 when it gave me an opportunity yeah. to like sit down yeah. and take my time through the story, which I love. To your point, Call of Duty single campaigns, single player mm-hmm. games, are uh, single player campaigns are some of the most well put together um, blockbuster uh, moments in the year. And so I am excited to jump into that, I believe, November 2nd. Yes. Yeah, by the time you hear this, uh, yeah. you're able able to play oh, sorry, that. Yeah. <laughs> right. What day We're is in, it? We, we live yeah. in the past. Yes, yeah. exactly. Uh, another game that I'm hearing great things about, especially in the vein of, this is not what I thought it would be, is RoboCop Rogue City. Now, I grew up uh, in sort of like, well, I was way too young when I saw RoboCop and uh, definitely scarred me for sure. Like, <laughs> different times do not show then. your single digit age kids this movie because a lot of like gore and messed up stuff. Thanks, mom. I'm working through this <laughs> publicly here on the Trauma. show. But uh, man, did it set you up for this video game? There you go. Yes, exactly. But uh, the, there was an arcade game at the time, which I, I wanted, I, I enjoyed playing, which was like a side scroll. It was really hard. Like, I did not even last like 60 seconds in that in that game. Again, as a child, I should not have been playing it. Um, this game is more of like an open world uh, situation where you're going through uh, old Detroit and hearing about it and the experience, I was like, wait a second, this this might be very much my style. So I'm going to put my childhood trauma away and go back to Robocop Rogue City. A uh, lot of fans. I, I heard it like really now it's like the over-the-top 80s humor, which I remember that also. There was like the dad from... 
that 70s show was like, uh, uh, I'll buy that for a dollar. He was like this TV personality. It was weird. You know, the 80s were weird. And from what I remember about it, uh, besides the, the trauma of seeing a guy's hand get blown off uh, as, as a nine-year-old, was, uh, <laughs> it was just weird stuff. And apparently this captures it really well. So there's that. Now here's the contemplative game. The Talos Principle 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, the original one came out on Xbox, I want to say like 2014, so close to a decade ago. Uh, and I remember um, at the time there were a, a quite a few like first-person um, puzzle games. Uh, not puzzle platformer, but sort of like exploring the area. I think The Witness was maybe the best mm-hmm. known of this type of game. Uh, Talos Principle, I remember Larry was super into it. And so Talos Principle 2 is out now, very thought-provoking. And you're, you know, there's a whole story where uh, humanity is extinct, but humans are that our culture is going through a uh, being uh, preserved, I guess, through robots. Anyway, sounds really interesting. And so, uh, if you like the original one or you like The Witness, uh, Talos Principle Two available now. You might want to check it out. A couple more games this week: Gangs of Sherwood. Uh, so, the, as the name might indicate has something to do with uh, uh, Robin Hood, uh, but through a very like sort of fantastical, almost Souls-like type of look. I don't think it's necessarily a Souls-like, maybe more of a um, Dynasty Warriors-like, and you can play with other folks. The, the key thing that I took away from this game is that there's a boss called Jeffrey of Nottingham, so I hope he's really tough. You know, That's you. Or at least really funny. <laughs> is that you, Jeff? I, I, I'm not from Nottingham, but perhaps okay. if you go back far enough, uh, also probably <laughs> not an ancestor Halloween of me. Costume. Yes, Jeffrey of Nottingham is <laughs> definitely going to be my Halloween costume next year. And uh, one last one I want to call out is uh, Thirsty Suitors. So this was a game that was announced at the Game Awards back in 2021, and I don't, I, I didn't know what this game was, but now that I'm seeing more of it as it's coming out, uh, it is an RPG. And, but there's like skating involved, uh, active turn-based combat, cooking. There's like a lot of stuff. It has a really cool art style. So uh, also worth checking out Thirsty Suitors. Oh, one more because we were talking Ooh. about the pigeons, which is Headbangers <laughs> Rhythm Royale. So um, it's basically a series of like rhythmic challenges. Apparently there's like 30 different uh, types of modes, like very quick I, it's sort of, I was getting like sort of WarioWare vibes where it's like you're doing something different every few seconds, but there's pigeons Lots involved. Lots of mini games. Yes, games, exactly. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> each one of these games, dramatically different Very from different. another. Very so different. I think uh, the question I would have for you all is um, 2023, where does this rank for you? In, like, is this the best video game year of all time? Uh, it's That's a hard one because I was just reflecting on 2007 a little bit ago. I think ago. that's number one. Yeah, I think 2007, and you know, we're a little bit biased because 2007, you look back on fondly, you have this element of nostalgia too. 2007, so, so uh, yeah. original Assassin's Creed. Mm-hmm. You had Call of Duty Modern Warfare, like the first, more first Modern one, Warfare. Yeah. So Call of Duty, what, four? Yeah. That was, you had Bioshock, as I recall. Mm-hmm. You had Halo 3. Probably missing a guitar. Mass Effect, uh, the original. Rock band? Mass yeah, Effect. Yeah, Mass Effect. Um, Super Mario Uncharted Galaxy. One. Uh, there was a really good Ratchet and Clank game. Super Mario Galaxy year. was. Super Mario Galaxy. I mean, that was an incredible year. But I think as we look back at this year, I think this this year goes absolutely toe to toe with 2007. Yeah, I think 2007 was great for setting up the the franchises that we know today as like these massive franchises. Yes. yes. And this year is really the year of like. You know, the very, um, you know, developers hitting their strides. Mm-hmm. Also with Variety, as we've been talking about, the different kinds of games coming out and, and just hitting back to back. And I, I don't know, it's tough. 
I don't, what would you say? I know you brought up 2007, so what would you yeah. say? Which I think, like, you know, Mass Effect holds such a special place in it my does, heart. Um, as is Bioshock, there's a lot of, like, you know, Bioshock has a lot of those kind of horror elements to it as well. A lot of, like, really incredible um, breaches into new types of storytelling mm. or just, like, obviously things that, you know, launched these franchises, these very successful franchises. So there's an element of history there now that 2023 just can't possibly have because it's our present day. Um, but there are a lot of like a lot of games, a lot of mixture of games, and then to both of your points earlier, that combination of like those real big heavy hitters that are continuations of franchises mm-hmm. or it's new steps in franchises, um, and then some of those like smaller surprises, those those hidden gems. So like there's so much diversity this year that's really something to celebrate too. Yeah. We did have Game Pass in 2007, so like, the fact that so many of these oh games, like, are just there. Yeah, and several so of the games we've talked to about today are also on Game Pass, including yeah. Headbangers, um, including Thirsty Suitors, and mm-hmm. of course, Jusant, as you two mentioned earlier, too. And look, we, we and here's the other thing about 2023. It ain't done yet, and there's amazing games Can coming you out. Uh, <laughs> uh, I have, uh, <laughs> including... And maybe maybe this won't be at your end of your list, but Like a Dragon Guide and The Man Who Erased His Name mm. is oh, coming yeah. out next week, a week from today. And so, like, I, I can't, the year's not even over yet, and I know I'm going to love that one. Uh, actually, we just announced all of the um, Game Pass games that are coming out for the, the first half of November. So, uh, do you want to take this? Or do you want me to? Oh, I, yeah. I feel like I've talked yeah. so much, Malia. Yeah. Well, I, I don't <laughs> just, actually yeah, I'll pick this laptop. <laughs> All right, sweet. So uh, as Jeff mentioned, we always announce new Game Pass games. We've talked about Headbangers, Jusant, War Tales. Uh, Dual wielding your laptops here. <laughs> I appreciate it. We have uh, coming out November 6th, we have Football Manager 2024. And if you're in America, that is soccer. Uh, I don't want any, I don't want no any smoke. It's not called Soccer Manager, though. I, I know, so. not, that's right. Yeah. Um, and of, of course, this is like a management simulator where you are, are literally, what, what do they call the, it's not called the coach. What do you call the person <laughs> the, who in charge of? The, the manager. Oh, they just call the manager? Well, well, there you go. Works. Yeah, there you yeah. go. It's right in the, the title. The boss. I'm just going to call him the boss. Or oh, the gaffer. The boss. Okay. The gaffer. Oh, I like that. I, I like do, that. I can do Only bad French and UK. You know, it, I don't think it was that bad. Job. Was I thought bad. it was great. Um, November 6th. So if you're, if you're into that, that is on cloud console and PC. We have Dungeons 4. Oh, do you have Dungeons 4, yeah. which is uh, basically, I'm not even sure. Uh, it's uh, build a cozy and comfortable dungeon to suit your creature's needs and rule over them. So it sounds like a little cozy bit gaming. of a cozy gaming. A little bit of a cozy, cozy game. Cozy rule. Hmm. I know, I know. <laughs> November 9th on Game Pass. And as Jeff mentioned, like a dragon guide in... Uh, Jeff, for those who, what's I know you can go on all day about this. Uh, well, so what's the thirty-second pitch for this one? Sure. So, um, Yakuza Six, the the Song of Life, put an end seemingly uh, to Kazuma Kiryu's story, and it did tie up uh, you know a ton of loose ends, and that was going to be it. But then, if you played Yakuza Like a Dragon, and if you haven't played Yakuza Like a Dragon, it's also on Game Pass, more of a turn-based RPG. At some point in that game. Kiryu shows up, and you're like, wait a second, I thought you were gone. You so, were retired. <laughs> right, because several years have passed. Mm-hmm. This game is like, well, here's what he's been up to. And from what I've played, I played it uh, at Gamescom and at PAX. It really changes up the gameplay. And um, you've got some like spy gadgets. And oh. so so Kiryu is is pretending to be someone named Joryu. Like, that'll fool him. But he does have different <laughs> hair, too. And, uh, and and sunglasses. So, like, no one will know it's him. But uh, because of that, he seems to be, and I don't know the story yet, but uh, you, you're using completely different mechanics uh, that really seem to change the game up. And that will bridge the gap between Yakuza 6 
and Like a Dragon, and then we all move forward with Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth in uh, January. January of 2024. There's also a demo for it uh, that is built in. You remember the, the days of like, I remember like when the Final Fantasy X demo came with, I can't even remember what game it came with, but it was like, uh, you, you got me here, you know? Sure. And so, um, you know, the, Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth looks so crazy with Dondaku Island, mm -hmm. which we, we saw at the partner preview. Yeah, yeah. That uh, I, and apparently it's a pretty meaty demo. It has like two modes, so I'll be playing all of that. In the, like, and really I have that's to like really year. emphasize what's special about it is Kiryu coming back because you know fans have been following his journey. Yeah. He is the Yakuza series truly until like a dragon, and it it will thread that story before we hit infinite wealth, which is exciting. But there's a lot of loose ends too, a mm -hmm. lot of like personal elements, and I, I'm I'm really like expecting a heartbreaking tale in both um Gaiden and an in infinite wealth but it'll just be really fascinating to see a fan favorite brought back and how specifically and it's day one on game pass so like i have Boom. like you might think i've got control over game pass because all, like, all <laughs> yeah, these young because the games like are in though, there Jeff. Oh my God, I look at all but of jeff's favorites <laughs> someone on the game pass team just really loves me so. yeah clearly you know what I, lo I love it and so excited to jump into that on november 9th we have wild hearts which uh, as you know part of uh, xbox game pass is you get a little bit of uh, ultimate is you get a little bit of ea play in there and so so you can jump into Wild Hearts, uh, Spirity, a little bit another another cozier game. If you like uh, Stardew Valley, Spirited Away, uh, those are <clears throat> that's a game that's kind of in that vein. And Coral Island, November fourteenth on Cloud and Xbox Series X and S. Um, and I don't know, I like to call it the Leaving Soon because this is really important for people who mm. are playing Game your Pass. Last this is your last chance mm. to jump into these games: Coffee Talk, Exa Punks, Ghost Song, Gungrave. Uh, Football Manager 2023, so as the new one comes in, uh, the old one leaves, Alapin, and Townscaper. The good thing is most of those games, if not all of them, go on sale. In the usually, end. So, yeah. so if you know it's leaving Game Pass, but you, you're deep into it and you want to keep playing it, there's usually a, a pretty healthy discount on those. Yeah, so there you have it. Those are your Game Pass updates. Take back your giant laptop. Thank this you. That like is absolutely <laughs> messy. I'm like, oh, smudges <laughs> everywhere. That's what gives it personality. What else is going on this week? There's still so much more things happening, not just video game releases, um, but BlizzCon 2023 is happening this weekend, which is just a festival celebrating all things Blizzard games. And um, if you've tuned in in past years, there's been a lot of news updates as well. So it's a really exciting moment for everyone who are, who's looking out for what's happening with World of Warcraft, Hearthstone, um, Overwatch. There's just tons of updates that Diablo, always yeah. ends up being like a Have you ever presence. been to a BlizzCon? I have never been to a BlizzCon. I've like, you know, reported on it back when I was in media um, before, so always paid attention to it. If you're not able to attend, um, happily, the panels are streamed. There's always an opening ceremony. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of like always interesting remarks and news happening in the opening ceremony, but a couple other panels for what's next for some of their key franchises. Um, so always an educational uh, opportunity, um, but in person looks like just so so much We need to go next year. Fun, yeah, all we right, should all so go. We're now teammates, as you know, I'm like touching the cheese couch. <laughs> it is softer and less cheese-like than you. you it's it growing might on you. <laughs> totally. Um, so, you know, we, we now work with folks from yeah. Blizzard and, 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 you know, this all came together, you know, a little late for us to be able to like do anything, but I ended up talking to some of the Blizzard folks uh, late last week and they did say, you're welcome to come. And I was like, oh, I'd love to be there. What would really be great is we could do this show there. Live from BlizzCon. Yeah. And they were like, we can work on that next year. Yeah. And they were like, well, we would love to have you. So uh, uh, calling it now, manifesting it. 2024. Field trip. Field trip. Yes. Let's do it. I would like love to go to BlizzCon. So we'll 
so the us, this group, and probably many of you out there who are not going to be in Anaheim will be able to watch it starting at 11 a.m. Pacific uh, on November 3rd. That's Friday. Uh, they'll yeah. be broadcasting the keynote on yeah, YouTube Twitch and Twitch. Yeah, Twitch and YouTube. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Lots of chances to check it out, even uh, if you're not in person. So something to do that the Overwatch team has been talking about for a couple weeks now and is out now before BlizzCon even starts is this integration with Le Seraphim, which is a, a, a K- we are a K-pop household, I can tell you. <laughs> <laughs> so I saw this and I'm very excited. And uh, there was a music video that got released earlier this week. And there is a mode, it's like a three-on-three capture the flag type of mode uh, where you can unlock a legendary Junkrat skin. And there's all kinds of skins for a number of the characters that are sort of Le Seraphim K-pop stuff. So obviously Diva, not surprising, but a number of the other characters, Sombra and a few others that have skins. So I got to figure out how to unlock those, but really cool design. Always like to see when music comes together with games. And um, I, and I know a couple of the Le Seraphim uh, members are gamers because uh, one of them we sent an Xbox to. And so uh, more to come there, I'm sure, I'm guessing. So uh, really excited about that. And you can play it now. That's there awesome. I love right the now. connection with yeah. music too, which is another thing about Alan Wake that's incredible. But anyway, I've talked enough about <laughs> Alan Wake. Um, before we get to the rest of this lovely podcast, we actually we talked about Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3 with early access this week, but we've got a little bit more Call of Duty goodness for you, a little extra treat for the Halloween week. Uh, Rebecca actually got a chance to sit down with the Sledgehammer team and find out more about the game, so as well as some new open combat missions. So check that out, enjoy. It's really good to be back on the podcast. I'm Rebecca Gordius. I'm on the Xbox communications team, along with Jeff, Malik, and all the others. And joining me today is David Swenson from Sledgehammer Games. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. It's great to be here, Rebecca. So do you mind just starting off by telling us a little bit about yourself and your history with Sledgehammer? Yeah, you bet. I've been around Sledgehammer since the beginning. Um, I am the creative director of the campaign at Sledgehammer Games, and so we are just wrapped up Modern Warfare Three, and it's uh, we've got the campaign early access tomorrow, and so uh, really excited. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, by the time that this podcast airs, it'll actually be today. I think it's oh, be oh, even available. Oh, even, so better. Even, better. <laughs> even better. Yeah. Um, so I know that, uh, you know, obviously we have the open combat missions and then even zombies coming to Modern Warfare 3. What else is kind of new with Modern Warfare 3 broadly? So Modern Warfare 3 is a really exciting project for us to work on uh, because it's the first ever direct sequel um, in a in a Call of Duty game year after year, so we've never done this before. So it was it was very exciting for us to be able to um, have this opportunity to work on a game that um, that would be directly following, and that means we can do a lot of things narratively. You know, the the team at Sledgehammer worked really closely with Infinity Ward. It takes a it takes years to make a game, and so while we were working on Modern Warfare Three, Infinity Ward was was wrapping up and shipping their game last year. So we're able to collaborate with them and talk to them and say, hey, you know, how can we like set something up in this game that we're going to pay off in Modern Warfare Three? Um, and so it was, it was a cool collaboration. That was it, it was a very unique first time in Call of Duty's history um, that we're able to do a direct sequel like that. Yeah, I heard there's even some carryover with like player items and things like that, which is I don't think I've really heard of that before. So that is pretty neat. Yeah, we uh, um, it, it, when we started making this game as a team, we have we always start with pillars. Like, what are the things? You know, it's a it's a a, a guiding pillar is something that 
you know, sort of we base every decision off of or really look to as we're making decisions. And and for us, the, the main pillar was honor the player, right? So it was all about like, what can we do to honor the player? And so one of those, you know, obviously um, is, is the the carry forward, you know, you know, players have, have spent a lot of time, you know, in, in the live season and have uh, weapons they've earned and, and so forth. And to, to bring all that, um, carry it forward into Modern Warfare 3 was really important to us. And we're excited for that. Yeah, to be part love, of the game. yeah I love that kind of player focused development strategy. Um, I think that the open combat missions bleed into that. But why don't you tell us a little bit more about the open combat missions, the OCMs? Yeah, open combat missions are the, it's a huge innovation for the campaign, something we're very, very excited about. When we started making the game, we, you know, it was early, early days, and we were talking about, you know, how, you know, we've been making Call of Duty, this is my second Modern Warfare 3, <laughs> so Sledgehammer, of course, was part of the, the original Modern Warfare 3, and so making these campaigns for a long time, and, uh, and we really were thinking, you know, how how can we evolve this? How can we make something, you know, better? How can we make the really the campaign that we want to make? Right? That was the mm-hmm. that was uh, what we were pushing for, and and that's where you know that's where it was born the idea for open combat missions. And that was how can we you know create a bunch of player choice, much more player choice than we've ever had in a Call of Duty campaign before. So. Our campaign includes, of course, the the epic cinematic missions that uh, Call of Duty is known for. So players will still get that. You know, the the story is still there. It'll be, you know, it's an incredible story. Um, and now there are these open combat missions that also complement all of this. Uh, they work very seamlessly. So par- players will, you know, it'll be a very seamless experience. You'll not know you're going in and out of, you know, one type of mission to another until you're in and actually playing it. But the story is all part of it um, and woven into all the different levels. But when you get into an open combat mission, you just have more choice than you've ever had before. You jump in and you're basically given objectives and the world is at your fingertips now and you can jump in and, and tackle that mission any way you want. So you start out with a specific loadout, right? But then everything else you kind of pick up like items through like crates along the way. Like, is it random or can you be specific in how you want to play? Uh, that's a great question. So, yeah, so you uh, um, you you go into the open combat mission for the first time uh, with a, with a, a specific loadout. Again, we want these to feel very, very seamless. And so you'll, you know, like all Call of Duty levels in between the Call of Duty, you know, from one mission to another, you'll have a beautiful cinematic um, and you'll get, you know, more story um, progression. And then you'll, you know, load into the level with a, with a specific loadout. But yeah, as you're saying, once you're playing the level, there's, again, it's huge and there's a lot of opportunity to find stuff, right? So you, there's crates, there's weapons that you can pick up, not just weapons, but you can pick up tacticals, lethals, yeah. Uh, even even empty kill streaks you can find in the, in in the world, and once you have you know like these weapons, tacticals, lethals, they become part of your inventory. So when you die, and and these open combat missions, by the way, are challenging. You know, we've uh, done a lot of work on the AI to um, make the the AI smarter and, and able to adapt to what the player is doing. And so is is is. That, that mean you know smarter AI means more formidable enemies, and so yeah. they're challenging missions. Yeah, um, but uh, when you die, you'll you'll before you respawn, you're given the opportunity to now set your own loadout. And so based on weapons that are in your inventory, things you found in the level, different tacticals or lethals, you can set it up. So. If you know, for example, you've yeah you know, you've been in, you've seen the level, you're like okay, I wanna I wanna try to do this more stealthily, right? I'm gonna be real quiet and I'm gonna sneak in, and you found a bunch of suppressed weapons and night vision goggles and you know and and throwing knives. You can leave the frag grenades at home, right? And mm-hmm. and load up with suppressed weapons, throwing knives, go in and be super quiet. 
take out all the enemies, complete the objectives without anybody knowing you were there. Or conversely, if you want to just go in loud, you can like, you know, you can strap on your LMGs and yeah. armor plates and Semtex and go in and just start blowing things up. Okay. Do you have a specific play style you usually go through? I mean, you mentioned two very different strategies right there. Like, do you usually default to one or the other or what's your play style? <laughs> Uh, you know, me personally, I, I've always been more of a stealth guy, uh, and and it's and it's so fun. I certainly with weapons, I tend to really gravitate toward uh, the, the the suppressed weapons. I just I just think it feels so cool when you're just going in, you just like click 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 click, you know, and you're just like taking taking players out or you know taking the enemies out. Um, but again, it's what's really exciting and fun about this is as I've been playing missions is, you know, if I decide, hey, you know what, I'm going to change things up and I'm just going to go loud. I'm yeah. going to jump in this vehicle and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to stick a turret behind it and, and go on and just like roar through the map and blow stuff up, throw Semtex over. You can totally do that. And it's a lot of fun. So it, it really, you know, depending on how I'm feeling, you know, sometimes yeah. my stealth gameplay goes out the window and I get real loud. Yeah, I feel like it would be a good opportunity for players to kind of try out different things, too, and see, you know, because I, I personally also usually default to stealth and sniper modes. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, maybe it could be a good opportunity to try something a little bit louder. Absolutely. Um, so let's see, you mentioned that these are kind of seem like, like players, it'll be like seamless with the campaign. Um, so are these like actual like kind of chunks on the story journey or is it kind of like a side thread? Um, how are they integrated? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. They're definitely not a side thing that was really okay. important to us. We didn't want it. We didn't want to feel like we were popping out of the story to go play this thing and then popping back into the story. It was really important that this all felt super seamless. So again, you're playing as your favorite characters. Um, and, and as we typically do in Call of Duty campaigns, the player character switches up often, you know, so you'll, you'll play as Captain Price, yeah. you'll play as Soap, you'll play as Ghost, you'll play as Farah and many others, right? So you you get a chance to play as all the different characters in the campaign and and you'll have your allies with you um uh in in these missions as well helping out there's there's a mission where um one of you you're playing as farah one of your allies i won't mention who i don't want to give too many spoilers spoilers away but you'll have you know one of your allies will be on overwatch and sniping for you so you, you'll pop around a corner if you maybe didn't see someone you were looking for all of a sudden boom like a bullet will whiz in and take them out and and you'll, you'll have comms you know with 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 your allies so anyway lots of lots of cool story constantly happening and really um it, you know hats off to our awesome narrative team it was a real challenge um to to do this because you you know most you know, typically Call of Duty levels, there's there's a there's one way to play them, right? And so therefore, there's one set of dialogue and one set of performances from the from the actors and the characters. And when we jumped into these, really, like you you just didn't know how players would play them. Yeah. You, you had to be ready for every possible scenario. And so, you know, our dialogue team wrote a tremendous a lot of dialogue, like 10x the you know the amount of dialogue they'd normally you know do. So because if you were in stealthily. All the, you know, the players need to be yeah. talking, you know, whispering yeah. to you, talking over the radio, being quiet, and everything has to contextually fit with that. But if you go out and jump in a vehicle, you know, and, and start blowing things up, you know, they have to react accordingly. And so there's all the dialogue that supports it. So the story is still going along, but it'll always be tailored based on how you're playing. Yeah. So, okay. So then my initial kind of hunch was right. So when you talked earlier about having, um, like, developing the game with that kind of, like, player-first 
pillar. Um, I think this is really cool because it's kind of you're creating a way for them to have the campaign be a little bit more tailored to their play style. And, um, you know, they get to be a little bit more custom with it instead of just having that same kind of template that everyone else is going to receive. So that's really cool. I like that a lot. Absolutely. You get to get to choose your own strategies. Right. And and that's what's really cool. Um, Death is is an interesting, it's almost something to be celebrated with these Omicron missions because you get to take another, <laughs> take another whack at it. Right. Yeah. And, and now you get, you, you get an idea of what's going on, maybe where some of the enemies are, what some of the AI is doing. And then you can decide, okay, I'm going to change up my strategy. I'm going to go this way rather than that way, or I'm going to grab this vehicle this time, or, oh man, I found this cool kill streak from, you know, that something I, you never see in campaign. That's always more of a multiplayer thing, but now you have this and so you can call in a chopper gunner right yeah or or call in a precision airstrike you know or a mortar strike or something and and to be able to take out enemies and, and complete your objectives yeah i think it's really good for replayability too i mean oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> yeah and, and there's the, one thing that was really as we were making the game uh we you know oftentimes our our mp you know teams uh they're 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 it's really useful to bring them over and they can play test for us because you know it's in the building and the, and we're still you know yeah you know, experimenting and so forth so we brought our mp team over and they started playing and it was awesome to watch them play because they were doing things that we had never anticipated, right? They 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 were like tackling the objectives, and we're like, oh my gosh, I never thought of doing it that way. But they were totally doing it, and it was it was really exciting, and it just showed like how much you know how much replayability, how much different strategy can yeah. be can be applied, and uh, you know, there's a lot of kind of fun you know, things that were born out of that, you know, the MP team, they were like grabbing controllers from each other saying, no, no, no I'm going to speed run this time. I, I can, I can do this level yeah. better than you. Right. And there was this cool sort of, you know, couch with your friends, you know, experience that was that I remember, you know, when I was younger and, you know, to be sort of back in that mode, it was, it was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I remember that too. Like you would play through the campaign, you know, more than just once, but you try to do it a different way every time. Like I definitely remember speedrunning usually didn't go very well. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, the full game launches November 10th, very close. Um, this isn't your first Modern Warfare game either. So how are you celebrating this launch? Do you have any like traditions or anything you've done to celebrate like past games? Oh man, I I always you know my favorite thing is to be with the team. Unfortunately, I'm I'm often like sent out to different locations around the world to to celebrate with the fans as we yeah. do sort of launch events. And so I'm going to be um, I'm actually going to be in Amsterdam at the at that we have a, a, a launch oh. event in Amsterdam. Um, there's oh, a, there's cool. actually in Europe a few launch events. There's a launch event in London. There's a launch event in Berlin, and then one in Amsterdam. I'll be at the Amsterdam launch event uh with the fans there hanging out and and getting ready to play call of duty that's cool i mean i'm sure there will be some other team celebrations once you're back in the office but yeah, getting to yeah, be yeah. with the community the people who are most excited like oh, i'm sure that that'll be <laughs> really good too it, it's so awesome it's always it's it's a, it's a real treat Cool. Well, okay. Well, thank you so much for your time. Um, you know, like I said, early access out today for a campaign and then the full game coming very soon. So I know you have a lot to do. Um, if anyone wants to kind of stay in the loop or learn more about uh, Modern Warfare 3, where do you think that they should check out? So they should um, certainly hit all of our, our social media channels. Um, you can go to callduty.com, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah sl Sledgehammer Games. Uh, and and we're excited to welcome everybody in and, and get playing Modern Warfare 3. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time, David. It's been really great talking to you. Awesome. Thanks for having me. All right. Back to you, Tina. Thanks so much for that, Rebecca. 
All right, so it has been a little bit since we've been back on the show. It's been about a month-ish, month and a half, a little over a month. Episode seven. Episode. Wow. We made oh, it. We're, we're almost <laughs> in. Free, what are we in? Like uh, first grade or second grade? I don't know. We're yeah, we're trying, just starting school. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> is it like a dog year for yeah, podcast? Yeah, something like that. Something like that. But what's been really cool is you know as we took a little bit of a you know uh, attempt at you know trying something different, you know changing up the format a little bit, and all along the way we've been asking for feedback from mm-hmm. you, the community, and it's been really great seeing kind of what y'all liked, what y'all didn't like, <clears throat> specifically the couch. I've seen the comments <laughs> about the couch. Some people like the couch. What's not to like about the exactly. couch? I guess the colors. The reality exactly. is I think we have to keep the couch now because it's a topic of conversation. 100%. Yeah. We break yeah. out. No one ever mentioned. against the couch hater. I mean, I mean Jeff. Yeah, well, I, I think, you know, they're going to be haters, they're going to be lovers. Um, but specifically, even last week when we, you know, there's a number of comments that I'll get to from last week, but I, I did want to call out, like we, you know, we filmed last week's show before the partner showcase went out, partner preview went out. Um, And so we really didn't know what the reception was going to be like. And I remember telling you that it's going to be great. I know, you predicted it. Um, I appreciated the faith, by the way. Yeah, how how would you say the reception's gone and like some of the comments that we've seen, I can can bring some of them up, but like from your perspective. I mean, I, you know, promised I would be reading um, and and watching all of the reactions because a lot of people... Um, we're live reacting to the show, which was really fun. And I, I like to see like what people pick up on and, you know, did that thing that I thought was going to play in that way, play in that way that I wanted it to. So it's it's been fascinating and it's been um, just really incredible to get a lot of direct feedback from people too. Um, this, the consensus that I'm getting is that y'all like the format. So we're, we're definitely going to be investigating that further, but there was some really good feedback too of things that we might want to consider. Cause obviously we want to make shows that everybody likes. And I, I love that this podcast is also just kind of a platform to be closer to the community and, and get an opportunity mm-hmm. to see what you think about the podcast, about what we're doing with our shows, about what you want to see more of. Like we're always keeping our ear to the ground and it's been really cool just to to get a lot of love from from the community and, and so you thank called, you all for that 100 percent. you called it out a little bit on twitter but uh, we have an applicator application for voiceover in one greg miller and so from <laughs> kind of funny and so well i'm sure i'm still reviewing yeah, I don't we'll know. <laughs> review um but this person said like they were interested in how that all came together so i think people just really love getting a behind the scenes of how things work here at xbox which is which is really cool um, it was also our Halloween edition. We filmed it a little bit before Halloween. And so we have comments about each of our uh, costumes that I was able to get. These are from YouTube. Uh, and Everyone was like, why did you guys abandon <laughs> Tina in the Barbie idea? Well, uh, there was, there was only I didn't see that. I didn't see that. But somebody did say, really great to see you hit your stride and fun to see you in costumes. Tina really rocked the 70s Barbie style. Thank you. There Thank you go. You. Now, Jeff, you were uh, from Lies of P. Yes. And we have a comment from Mikey B 7 Okay. Uh, who said, I thought Jeff was Prince. And you know what? <laughs> Going back, I could kind of see yeah. it. It's the hair. The yeah. I, 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 and yeah, the shirt? Game blouses is yeah. what yeah, I should have yeah. said. But uh, we, Prince and I, same birthday. May he rest oh. in peace. Oh. Also, wow, he has talent. Uh, well, or you have talent. Whatever. Yes. Uh, not, not with the guitar. <laughs> what about you? Did you... Did Jaleel White respond? I saw you tagged him. No, Jaleel White didn't reply. Still waiting for you, Jaleel. You know, to be fair, though, I believe his last tweet was like in August of 2023. Or, Uh, yeah, this year. Do we need to do a wellness check on Jaleel White? I think so. I think so. But somebody said, I thought bro was actually Urkel. And you know what? That's that's good enough for me. Uh, I, I will also say, you know, what we've been doing on the show, uh, as you saw this episode and, and as we've been, you know, all of the episodes we've done so far, is really recommending games. And and I think it's, it's really interesting because the community 
has always called out that it seems like all of us are really passionate about the games we mm -hmm. were talking about. And one that you recommended a few weeks ago was actually El, Pas El Paso Elsewhere. And uh, BM7042 said, whoever recommended El Paso Elsewhere some weeks ago was right. Music was nice and overall very fun too. So Such a good game. I'm going to recommend it again and again and again because it's that good. And I'm glad. I'm glad people have kind of discovered new games through the podcast, but mm -hmm. especially that game. That game is really good. And do you get the dev on that? That was Zolavier Nelson yeah, uh, yeah. Jr.? Yeah. I'm sure he, he loves talking about his game, as he rightfully should, because so much of him is in that game. And you can see that like passion and creativity come through. So yeah, I'd love to know some of the behind the scenes. Ooh. And well, also I would like the whole soundtrack to just like walk by my, you know, let, <laughs> lead my life through day by day. That would be nice. A hundred percent. And then one to leave, one last comment to leave this section off is how I think we're all feeling, which is Paul Goodwin, 6697, saying, loving Xbox at the moment. And I think, Aww. you know, in our conversation about, you know, whether 2023 is the best year of all time in video games, and, and Jeff thinks it is, you know, we're a little bit on the defense, but I think it's, we all can agree it's been a great year. Um, between Game Pass, games, you know, games like Starfield, Forza even, um, it's just been a fantastic year and probably no better time. I know it sounds like very marketing-y, but like there's probably no better time to be an Xbox gamer than right now. And so uh, thanks for your comments. Again, we are reading. I literally, I don't know about these two, but I think they do. I can speak for myself. I read every single comment because mm -hmm. I'm like, what do they say about me? Do they say who's? <laughs> um, well, yeah. there are actually a couple other comments about you. Yeah, oh, really? say about the... snapping the suspenders that you nailed that <laughs> one. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was actually thinking about the comments that haven't been posted yet. Because there will mm. be many sad comments oh, that you're moving. What a, what a great transition! You're moving to your, from California. You. This is my. You had a prediction last week. Mm -hmm. I have a prediction this week. My prediction oh. is the sad comments about your move to California. Although not so sad because you've been talking about San Diego for some time. So yeah. even though I just moved to Seattle, and I know. Well, it's now because you of that. Moving this town for the both of you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. It's because you moved. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah. No. So I'll be. I'll be uh, gone after this week. You're staying at Xbox. I'm so staying at oh, very clear. Yes. I'm still going to be from here the at Xbox. Pacific Northwest. <laughs> yeah, I'm, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to San Diego to live, but I'll still be here on Team Xbox as well as, you know, occasionally making, you know, if I'm in the area, I'll, I'll drop by and sit on this very uh, orange, yellow couch uh, and say hello. Um, maybe doing some interviews here and there. But uh, yeah, I got to get some sun, you know? I can't, I can't deal with these Washington winters of gray and rain. But, uh, but, but imagine it, playing Alan Wake without. The nice that tree is, backdrop yeah, and the mist and the fog. Imagine if Alan Wake was set in San Diego. Different and game, right? like, yeah, I'm out on the beach and oh, the dark place. Don't <laughs> worry, don't worry about it. You pass the sun, sunscreen. There is no dark place. In Very California. different game. Yeah, I, I am gonna miss that. Uh, you know, some of the spookier games. Yeah. It felt better here in the in the winter, but um, but again, uh, it's been great being on this podcast. And and again, this is not a goodbye forever. I'll be here here and there, and I'm still at Xbox, and so it's not. It's not. Uh, it's not a sad thing. It's a, yeah. You'll still be on the podcast. Yeah. You'll be doing interviews remotely too, yeah, and we'll still have your voice on the on the podcast. We wouldn't have it any other way. Oh, that's so kind. That's we'll so kind. miss you here on the couch, though. Yeah. How are we going to fight about? Guy. I'm going to lose my 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 companion against Jeff on the yellowness of the couch. Yeah, but now at the what even 50-50, This thing could be in the dumpster in in another week. <laughs> I know. Just carry it outside. <laughs> Can't do it myself. That's the one thing. Yeah, so you, you need somebody else. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we're definitely going to miss you. Um, we've got some thoughts about who will 
no one could take your place, but who's going to who's gonna keep this, this couch cushion warm? And the reality is you're not going to be here next week either, <laughs> no, Tina. Now, this is payback for last week. Now yeah. I abandon you, Jeff. So uh, <laughs> lining up a very special guest uh, for next week, a special guest host. Um, and you could probably, well, potentially could guess uh, 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 a podcaster who is on a on a temporary hiatus and who might be very excited about Like a Dragon Gaiden. So looking forward to having her join next week. And we'll just have some other folks. It, it does give the opportunity for us to bring other folks from within Xbox here to join us. And um, I will say personally, I'm going to miss you here. Um, you're going to miss the rain. I think uh, that, definitely. uh, no, I don't think you're you know. like perfect weather. No, no, yeah, no. I don't think so. I don't it, think so. We'll get you back on this, this chair eventually, but yeah. stay warm. Don't like rub it in too hard. Yeah, I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't send pictures, pictures every single week when you guys no. about to go live with the show. That's but nice of you, even though that was sarcastic. <laughs> 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 well, on that note, that's everything that we have for you this week, but we hope you enjoy Malik and Mai's absence next week and Jeff filling in, uh, as well as our special guest host. Uh, and we'll see you next time and we'll be reading those comments too. See ya. <laughs>